time of year it is playoff time and whatever whatever you want to say about the 2020 season and the COVID tourney that we have witnessed the one awesome part about this is that we have playoff games like we've never had before we, we have more teams than we've ever had in the playoffs we're having we're having games that are close and and I absolutely love it yo Rob Nick how you guys doing I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Like you said, we're we're here at the postseason. Even though I, I've been one for all year, you know, we're finally gonna gonna get to the end of this COVID tourney here. But yeah, definitely definitely good to have some postseason baseball. There's always a a, a very special feeling that comes with it. Um, and yeah, we're definitely seeing that uh, here with these first few games that we've seen so far. Yeah, I'm just okay today. Uh, kind of like an Astros fan where, you know, I, I won two games, but I'm not getting the respect I deserve, I guess. But I'm definitely better than Shane Bieber and Chris Paddock, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Oh, you're, you're damn right we're going to talk about it. It's playoff time, which means baseball changes. And and we'll get into that a little bit, too. But I just want to I just want to let our listeners know, because things might happen by the time you guys listen to this. We typically record Wednesday nights, so even as we're recording right now, there's some games going on. There's some games that haven't started yet. So by the time you hear this on Friday, some series might be over. Some series might already have a game up or, or, or a game down. And I know our producer Cecil is going to murder me for this because he, he kind of uh, tells us to to talk as if, if we're recording that day or the day before. But just so you guys know where we're coming from with what we're saying today, we're on Wednesday and there's going to be games tomorrow. There's still games to be played today. So just keep that in mind while you listen to this. You know what I mean? We're still going to do the best job we can at our analysis, but we are a little bit limited just because, because of that. So we, are not getting the full day off knowledge, but trust me, it's still going to be worth a listen, man. And you know, I think the best thing to do for today is kind of just go over some of the stuff we've seen so far. And the AL today is playing their second games, and the NL has started some of those series. So first things first, we're going to start with the Yankees and Indians because you kind of had the runaway Cy Young winner get absolutely crushed by a Yankees lineup that I know me and Rob are kind of not too happy to see, but, you know, whatever, we'll take it. We're not, we're not mad at it. So I'm sorry for you, Rob, since this is, this is our team, man. What did you think about game one? And right now we're in the middle of game two, so wow. How you feel about the series right now? Yeah, so I, I think the Yankees came out and did what a lot of people would expect them to do if they were at, you know, full health. I think we've been talking for a while now that the Yan- the Yankees are one of the favorites, er- like coming into the every season. They're, they're top five every year if they're at full health. And I thought last night wasn't any, it wasn't any real surprise um, simply because I had I had read a stat before that Shane Bieber had had struggled against the Yankees in his previous like one or two starts against them um, from last season, I believe. And, you know, I know a lot of people, especially myself, we were expecting this great pitching matchup between Garrett Cole and Shane Bieber, who are two of the top guys in the AL. 
Um, but, you know, it's also, like I said, after the win, it's the best pitcher in the American League got the victory. And and I know it, it it's similar to, you know, when we have that MVP discussion, right, where it's like everyone recognizes Mike Trout is the best player in the MLB, but he, do, he doesn't always win the MVP. Obviously, Shane Bieber is the clear guy to win the American League Cy Young um, this year. But if I had to pick a guy who I think he's the best pitcher, the actual best pitcher in the American League that I'm going to take, you know, for a full season moving forward, it's going to be Garrett Cole. And I think Garrett Cole showed that, you know, he showed why the Yankees gave him the money that they gave him this this offseason. That's exactly why they got him. Aaron Judge made the comment that we didn't get Garrett Cole to pitch in April and we didn't get Garrett Cole to pitch in May. We, we got Garrett Cole to pitch in October for the Yankees. And um, that's definitely what he showed last night. Um, obviously, you mentioned the the second game of the series is underway. The Yankees are currently losing four to one. Um, Carlos Carrasco is putting up a pretty good performance through three innings out there. So we're definitely going to, uh, you know, be also paying attention to how that game turns out and see if we're going to be headed for a game three here. Absolutely. Oh, Nick, we, we mentioned some pitching there. And I think Rob made a pretty controversial statement to, to some people, especially the way that that 2020 has played out so far, man. How are you looking at the series right now? I think it's exactly what I was hoping it would be, where the Yankees come out and bang. I mean, I know there was some down talking on the Yankees from some Yankees fans on our podcast a little bit, not not too much. But when you have the AL leader in average and the AL leader in home runs with DJ LeMahieu and Luke Voigt, you, you obviously have some offense. And they've been hurt a lot this year. So it's tough to say that, you know, when they have their full team, that you're going to hold them down, even if you are the current Cy Young frontrunner. And, you know, Garrett Cole, best pitcher in the AL, sure. I'm not going to go against that too much. He's a stud. He was a stud last year. He was a stud the year before. He was a stud this year. And he has some postseason experience. And I think Shane Bieber really just got into a situation he's never been in. And it threw him off. And he wasn't sure what to do. And to Rob's point of his starts against the New York Yankees, he's got two starts. Batting average against is two is 294, which is way up there, and 859 OPS against. So, yeah, he definitely struggles against the Yankees. Um, I can't really say at bat for a bat and player for player who he struggles against. I didn't do that much research. But he definitely does struggle against the Yankees. And the only thing I'm going to – now it's just a matter of how quickly – does Giancarlo Stanton get hurt? So he did his season opener, but in the postseason where he hit two home runs the first two games, so he's got to get hurt by the fifth inning today, maybe by batting practice tomorrow, who knows? But this is how the series would go as far as I thought, where the Yankees would have an offensive explosion, and we get to see how much resolve the Indians have. They have the pitching staff, and if they can sneak through this series, get a win tonight and then a win tomorrow, I mean, they are at home, so they've got a good opportunity to do that. Um, I'd like to see what Shane Bieber does next. Does he come back and bounce back from this? Do they maybe shuffle up their rotation if Carrasco continues to deal right now and maybe throw him in the first game of the next series if they got the weight? But this is a good series. This is, in my opinion, probably the best series going into the AL wildcard series. I think this is the most interesting one to me. I know we talked about a few others last week, but this wasn't one of the matchups. Um, I think either one of these teams could go through to the World Series. I don't think they're going to get past the Rays. That was my preseason pick from the AL, and I'm going to stick with it. But I think either of these teams could go to the World Series out of the AL. This is a great series because you have the battle of the strengths, right? So if you look at the Yankees, you know, we talked about Garrett Cole a bit, but make no doubt about it. Their strength is that lineup. And if you have a complete healthy nine on that lineup, 
I, I would say, and I would make the argument that it is the best lineup in the MLB, like full full health. And then on the other side of the ball with with uh, we'll talk Cleveland, I'd make the argument that they're the best pitching staff in, in all of MLB, especially in, in the rotation. I don't think that their their bullpen is anything to shy away from. Brad Hand is an established relief pitcher that's closing games for them that I, I have no problem putting him in any situation in the playoffs. So it is a, a really good matchup to see. Uh, we, as Yankee fans, we will be seeing Giancarlo Stanton until 2029. He's already said he's not opting out. So he will be averaging 13 games a year for the next uh, nine years here. So we should really get uh, excited about that. But we, we have to mention, before, before we continue, I, we have to mention Josh Naylor. He's absolutely killing it, man. He, he started off the series five for five, just absolutely crushing it. And I, I forgot who mentioned it, but we've mentioned in the podcast before is those are the kind of guys that can really win a series for you when it comes to the playoffs. You know, he's, he's nothing special. He, he's not a superstar by, by, by any stretch of the imagination. He was almost, you can consider him a throw in, in, in the trade between Cleveland and Padres, but he, he's getting it done. And he's a big reason why Cleveland has a little, some, some excitement to go to. Let, let's move on to the next series. And this one is currently tied 1-1. It is the White Sox and the Athletics. And and in my opinion, this is the second most intriguing playoff matchup going on right now, especially in the, in the AL. You have a young White Sox team who is trying to get there before they're even ready to get there, in my opinion. And then you have an Oakland Athletics team who, if they have the best position to ever advance, this is probably it. I mean, I, I want to say that that Oakland is the weakest. I mean, that the White Sox are the weakest team they're, they, they're going to face. But historically, Oakland kind of struggles in the playoffs, and this is a good start for them if they can get through this round. So, Nick, I'll start with you this time. Uh, you know, how do you feel about the series? I mean, I like that it's already one-to-one. We're already going into a sudden-death game, a, a game seven, if you will, for a three-game series. That's what this is. And, I mean, the White Sox came out and did what they should have done. Their ace, Lucas Giolito, dealt, almost had a perfect game until somebody decided to open their mouth. Gibson! And uh, go ahead and jinx it. I know you don't believe in that, sir, but trust me, as a former player, that shit sucks to hear. Uh, the A's held home court today, so tomorrow's going to be interesting. They have not announced their starters. So I think their starters tomorrow go a long way. I was very surprised to see Luzardo get hit so hard. Um, that was just – I wasn't expecting that. I, I wouldn't say that I was expecting him to be amazing. I wasn't expecting him to – match Giolito by any stretch of the imagination, but an 810 or 8.1 ERA and a 1.8 whip. I know it's only one game, but to only go 3.1 innings and give up three earned runs is it's just not what you want out of the guy who's going to take the hill the first day. And last year, Manea, Manaya got torched in the game that he started. I, and it was just, it's who do you go with? And I know Luzardo's their guy, but I would have probably given the ball to somebody who had some postseason experience rather than Luzardo to to start the first game just just to see what you get out of it because it's hard. It's a different game in the postseason. There's a lot more stress, even without the fans. And the White Sox, the entire offense is young. It's more stressful on a pitcher, in my opinion, than a hitter because you have another eight guys in the lineup that can get that can get you kind of off the hook as a hitter. But as a pitcher, if you stink it up, then then you're done. There's not really anybody who's going to get you off the hook. 
And Melvin just didn't have a quick enough leash with him. I mean, I know it was only 3.1 innings with three earned runs, but you really just got to – I mean, I, I'm just surprised that they went with Luzardo, but tomorrow's going to be very interesting. I can't wait to watch that game. Absolutely, man. What about you, Rob? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a very good uh, series that we're that we're seeing right now between the two the two uh, teams. We've definitely seen you know two good pitching matchups between Giolito uh, in the first game and and Bassett you know throwing a good one for Oakland in the second game. Um, I'm looking forward to Game Three. I, I I don't really know, man. I don't really know what team I I see coming out on top out there. I think I'm probably gonna lean a little bit towards. Uh, probably going to lead lean a little bit towards Oakland um simply because I I think they they have some from the I don't think that they've announced the pitching matchup for game three yet but I was looking at some of the options and I think Oakland has a little bit of stronger pitching options compared to Chicago to go for game three so I'm, I'm gonna go with them a little bit to maybe uh edge them out and take the series but yeah two good games that we've seen the White Sox are definitely in it. They're definitely, you know, hitting when they need to hit. And and Oakland had some key bats wake up for them in the second game. So I think we definitely have some good stuff to look forward to in game three. There it is, man. Look, I- I'm loving this series. It is. Look, people don't want to talk about it, but Oakland works in windows, right? So eventually you're going to have to pay guys like Chapman. Granted, I know he's not playing the series, but. Eventually, if you want to keep a guy like Chapman, you're gonna to have to play uh, pay Chapman. Same thing with Olsen. Like I, I don't know how much Olsen is gonna demand in the market. First base is typically one of those oversaturated, kind of not as valued as high in today's game as it was before kind of position. So maybe you you save a little bit on him. But if you look around that field, you have a lot of guys you have to win with now. Marcus Simeon, he's a he's a free agent at the end of the season. I'm, I'm, I'm I believe. He's kind of one of your key guys. Granted, he struggled this year, but he was in the MVP race last year. I don't know. I don't know how how much longer they can kind of delay not being as good as they need to be. Their pitching staff is amazing, right? Like, look, we, both all of us here have kind of sang Lazardo's praise. I'm not blaming blaming him for what happened yesterday. He's he's a rookie pitcher in the playoffs, and a good offensive lineup got to him. By the way, crazy ass stat. I don't think the White Sox lost to a lefty starter all season. They absolutely dominated lefty starters. So starting a lefty rookie starter nonetheless was probably a bad idea on their part. Granted, hindsight, 2020, obviously. But, you know, as an analytic team, they, they probably could have done better. You know what I mean? You do have Mike Fiers, uh, Chris Bassett, who pitched today, pitched really well. So so they had other options, especially in the three-game series. We'll see who goes tomorrow for them. It's Manaya from what I'm hearing. But... You know, if, if I'm if I'm going for who, who do I want to win, I want the White Sox to win. I, I love the White Sox story. I love I love the fact that they're early. I, I don't think that this is a team that should be as good as they are right now. But the fact that they are doing so, I, I absolutely love it. And in my opinion, you have the MVP on that team in, in Jose Abreu. So in, in my little misguided heart, I want the, the White Sox to win tomorrow. But... I, like I said, I think this is the best chance for the Oak, for, for the Oakland Athletics to to do something in the playoffs. This is if there's going to be an, an Oakland year, this is it, man. And, and I'm not saying that because I love their team, especially with the injuries. I think that it's it's a little uphill battle for them. Chris Davis not playing the way that they, they expect him to play has, has kind of hurt them this year too. But that being said, man, you you, you string you string some stuff together. You you have a good enough rotation and bullpen to do it. So. We'll see how that one plays out. It's going to be a great, great game three. You, 
you know, Nick alluded to it as it being a game seven situation. It, this is this is this is one game wins it all. So you're going to see every, both teams pull out all the stops, and it's going to be a, a great watch. Let's move over to the series that are now over, and I'm going to start with Nick just because this is his World Series team, and the the Rays have eliminated the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays kind of showed their youth, made a lot of mistakes that they they, they probably shouldn't have that a more veteran team might have not. So, Nick, what, what's your take on the Rays and Blue Jays series? My first take is all respect to the Blue Jays to make it into the postseason, but this is why I did not want an eight-team postseason. I don't want it going forward, is the Blue Jays were – they got in because there's eight teams, and the Rays are dominant. <clears throat> all this was was just practice for the Rays, unfortunately – and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the Blue Jays got some postseason baseball taste, which is going to be great for their players, in my opinion, because you can only build off that. And if they went into this series thinking they legitimately had a chance against, my opinion, the best team in baseball, even over the Dodgers, then that should change their mentality. But also, I hope they take this and see this is where they need to be next year. They do have a better offense one through nine, in my opinion, they do not have a better offense when you include the bench. And that's where the Rays really, really excel is their bench can come in and hit. They can match up better. Pitching staff wise, the Blue Jays aren't even close and the Blue Jays cannot get close to the Rays anytime soon when it comes to pitching, either starting or bullpen. So they're just going to have to bang out some runs. So they got the experience they needed, but this this is the matchup I did not want to see from an eight-team playoff perspective because it's just so clear how much better the Rays were than the Blue Jays. But it was definitely fun to have them in there, and I hope they learn from it. It's only going to improve the Blue Jays in the years to come. But this is just a waste of time for the Rays. <laughs> it was a good tune-up. It was an absolutely good tune-up. And look, you saw what you wanted to see if you're the Rays. Look, Blake Snell dominated. He was he was very good. Then today, Tyler Glass now comes out and he dominates against what is a good hitting team. You know the Blue Jays are built a little differently than most teams. They they have guys who can get it done in multiple ways. They're not just a, a homer or nothing team like some of the the other teams in the playoffs right now. Cough cough Yankees, other than DJ Lemayhew and maybe Aaron Judge. But the point is though that the Rays made it look easy. It, it wasn't really a struggle for them. They were the better team. If you're the Blue Jays, though, I think you have to assess where you're at and assess what you need to do to get to the next level. They've done a great job of getting from where they were last year to coming into this year and being a better team. So that means you had guys like like Bubba Shett. He had some more experience. Vladdy Jr., who in the eyes of many, including me, had some of a disappointing season. He didn't progress like we thought he did. Like, like I thought he should. Teoscar Hernandez, though, he, he should get a couple MV, MVP votes. And, and the rest of that team was really good. But now you got to start looking at it a little harder because now you're expected to compete. You're expected to be in competition for, at the very least, one of those wildcard spots next year. So in this offseason, you have to think, what, what do we have to do to get from the eight seed this year to potentially another wildcard spot next year? Because it's going to be way harder. It's, I don't expect it to be 16 playoff teams again next year or whatever the number is. I'm terrible at math. So with the, with the Blue Jays, 
look, is I, I said this before the season. I don't have I don't think we use an ace. I think we use like a, a guy that you'd love to have in your rotation as a two or or even a three if your rotation is good enough. You're not winning a World Series where you as your number one guy. I know they have Nate Pearson weight in there. I know they have other guys in their farm system that they believe that can come up and do some damage, but that that's where it starts right now. What 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 do we need to do? Do we need to pay overpay Trevor Bauer next year so that he comes to the Blue Jays and we have a better chance of making it? Do we have to look at guys like that? Do we maybe have to make a trade to to get back to the playoffs next year? And it's gonna be this is where the tough decisions start for the Blue Jays. It's it's where are we and are we good enough to really start making the push for this? And it's going to be really hard for that front office because I, I think that's the biggest difference between successful and unsuccessful teams is when they start making that push. But, you know, I'm not saying much about the Rays because the Rays are, we're going to talk about them a lot more since they're starting the playoffs. We, you will hear about the Rays next week. Uh, what's it called? Rob, what, what did you think about the series? Yeah, so I, I think in terms of in terms of these two teams, you know, I think there was a lot of stuff that we were, like you guys said, expecting from the Rays. I think they were the clear favorites in this series and and they showed why they got they they got that dominant performance from Blake Snell in that first game. And, you know, they got they got offensive performances from guys that they traded for. Hunter Renfro uh with the grand slam in game two, uh Margot with the home run in game one. So they definitely had a good offense from from, you know, some of their key guys that they traded for. But over to Toronto, I mean, their bats were were pretty much asleep in terms of their key hitters. You know, I thought a lot of their key hitters needed to wake up. You know, when you're when you're in a playoff series and and you're not talking about a a Beau Bichette or or a Biggio or a Guerrero Jr., you know, those are their key guys. When you're playing a series and you're not talking about those key guys hitting, that's one of the main things that's wrong in the series. You know, game two, they scored two runs off of two solo home runs from Danny Jensen. That's it. They needed a lot more offense from their key guys. You know, you mentioned, uh, Daniel, we had a guy like Teoscar Hernandez who had, who put up a great season this year. And to be honest, I'm one of, I'm one of the people who's not surprised. He's quietly been a very good you know, like power slugging percentage guy for Toronto the last couple of years. And this year he's kind of put it together, adding a good average as well. So he's, he can definitely be a, a good bat for them as well as, as a Randall Grichuk, you know, adding to those young guys. We're not necessarily being, you know, super harsh on, on these young guys because they're still relatively young. You know, it's, they're what in their second year or whatever, like they're, they still have some time to, to, you know, develop and things like that. But I think you also made a good point. We don't know where we don't know how to exactly judge the Toronto Blue Jays, right? Because this season we got they made the postseason, but they made the postseason off of a shortened season combined with an expanded playoff seating, right? So next year we're possibly talking about either one, are we going back to, you know, the 162 game regular season with our standard 10 team playoff format, or are we going back to a 162 game season? with the expanded 16 team playoff format or are we playing a different number of games with you know this 16 team format or whatever like we don't know exactly what type of season to expect next year and i think for a team like toronto compared to you know compared to teams like the yankees and the rays and you know the braves the dodgers teams that you see as favorites for the postseason year in and year out a team like toronto definitely has to further evaluate their current situation they might have to go out and get some more pitching like you said um, you know, Ryu might be better off as their number two. Um, Nate Pearson st- 
still young. I mean, this guy is, he's one of my favorite prospects, but he's still going to take a little bit of time to develop and things like that. So I think there's definitely a lot of areas that they can kind of improve on, but yeah, they're definitely one of those teams that benefited from this new, you know, expanded playoff system. And we're going to have to see what playoff system we have next year to see if, you know, they even make it back. Absolutely. And look, it's, the one thing that I don't like about 2020 is that it's going to give you a lot of false narratives about what the season actually was, right? So, for instance, as as we're recording this right now, Luke Voigt is at bat, and Luke Voigt has had an amazing season. He's a league leader in AL home runs. But if we played 162 games, I, bro, I, I don't see that happening. To, to be honest with you, if I'm being completely honest with you, I don't, I don't see a guy like Luke Voigt. Yeah, no, Running the he, w- he wouldn't have the lead because I-, I talked about it with with my dad as well a couple days ago. I think I think if anything, this season showed us that at his best, like Voight could be a, a 40 home run threat. But in terms of Voight being the, you know, like a guy that you view as like consistent home run leader year, year in and year out. Yeah, nah, I, I don't believe that either. Yeah, and, and taking it back to to the Rays and, and, and Blue Jays conversation, look, those teams are going to really have to internally look at themselves, and, and again, we're going to talk about the Rays later on because they're going to they're going to be players in this postseason. So we're not going to harp too much on them today. But you know, the Blue Jays right now, it's it's the next step. You know, what are they going to do? Because regardless of what the playoff picture looks like next year, it's a disappointment if they're not playing in it. You know what I mean? This year, regardless of what it was, it was a step from last year where they were a a team that was on the rise. Well, you, you don't go from going on the rise to coming down. You made the playoffs this year. You're expected to make the playoffs next year or at the very least competing for it. And, as, you know, as a, as a front office, you have to keep that in mind because your fans will not be happy if, if it's October and they're not at the same place they were this year, regardless of how, how that happens. But let's get, let's get to, to the last series in the AL. And this series is over to the Astros beat the Twins and – Look, I, there's a lot to say about this stuff because it's it's kind of like the same old narrative with the Twins. They just don't get it done in in October. So for all that for all that conversation we were having last week about like you know how much better their their pitching is and how much you know deeper it is and and how how it looks and even on the other side how much we hate the Astros and how much we want them bounced and how 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 possible we really think that is. Look, the fact is the Astros have had a two-game two-game sweep of the Twins. The Twins played absolutely horrible defense to end the first game. Don't know what that was. Can't explain it to you. I know Little League kids that make that play routinely. So, Rob, we'll start with you, man. What, what did you think about that series now that it's over? Yeah, it was a really bad series for, for Minnesota, right? So, it's... Uh, it's kind of like what we've been talking about with Astros fans on, on the page, right? So both teams are really good teams. I think the Houston Astros and Minnesota Twins, the way that the teams are currently constructed should be viewed as playoff caliber teams year in and year out. However, the Twins have played like crap. They've they've played really bad postseason baseball. And that is that that sucks for them, man. You know, like especially for their fan base, because I personally, so, you know, as a Yankee fan, you know, we're, we're pretty much accustomed to seeing the Yankees face off with Minnesota some years in the postseason. And, you know, we've seen Minnesota 
in the postseason some other years as well. And I've seen Minnesota throughout the years, and I think that the way that their team is currently constructed is probably one of the best teams that they put together. I mean, you can certainly go back and look at, you know, when they had Johan Santana and Torrey Hunter, and those were some solid teams as well. But I mean, you're talking about the way that their lineup is right now, they are one of the top lineups in all of baseball. They've they've gotten a lot better pitching out of their guys this year. I know we referenced that um, a couple episodes ago, and their pitching just you know their pitching made some mistakes this series. But I think I think if I need to key in on anything, it has to be their offense because. Look, you're talking about one of the top lineups in baseball who only went for seven hits. They had seven hits in two games against a depleted Astros team in terms of pitching. You had Zach Granke go four innings in the first game. Yes, you got five innings, you know, to to pair that with from Valdez. But, you know, Granke's essentially your number one guy right now for this postseason because Verlander's out. You also got you got about four. You got you got four and a third from Urquidy in the second game. I mean, and then you had to get, you know, bullpen pieces to kind of stack up the rest of the innings to to get you out of there against one of the top lineups, man. Like Minnesota just had to figure it out. I mean, you this was this everything in this series was in Minnesota's favor. You're getting better. Your guys, your guys were pitching way better this year. So you're getting better pitching from your guys. Your lineup is still there. Everyone was, everyone was, you know, hitting. You have your Keplers and and your Polancos, and you have your Nelson Cruises in there. Even guys like Byron Buxton are hitting for you. Like you had everything going for you, and you got swept by the Houston Astros again. Not nothing to necessarily be ashamed of. Houston is still a very good team. But it's man, it's a situation where Minnesota, like Minnesota, couldn't even push that to a three-game series or anything. Just straight done. I mean, I know it's been mentioned before, eighteen straight postseason losses from them going back to two thousand four. I think the last time they got a postseason victory, I was nine years old. So that tells you about everything you need to know about the Minnesota Twins. And for Houston, you know, it was a good job by them. They're moving on, and they're going to be taking on the winner of the White Sox uh, A series. Um, and like I mentioned before, I think it'll be Oakland. And if it is, I can, I can only imagine we're going to get an interesting Houston Oakland series in that, in the ALDS. Oh, hell yeah, we will. Mike fires going yeah. back to, to where, yeah, so that, that, to be. that'd be a really good one. And, and essentially, you know, it's a, it's kind of like a rightful, who's the rightful King of, of the AL West kind of series, you know? So, so let's see like that. That'd be a good one out there for the ALDS. I'll say this. I think my main takeaway from this, and and look, the reason why I love this series is because it kind of reaffirms my belief that analytic baseball takes you only so far. If you look at the team built in Minnesota, you don't need a fucking rocket scientist to tell you that they're built on the home run ball. They're not trying to put the ball in play. They're not trying. They're not trying to to get singles the other way. They're not trying to extend innings. Their sole purpose is to hit that ball as far as it could possibly go. So when they signed when they signed Josh Donaldson, in my opinion, that was a waste of fucking money. And it has nothing to do with Josh Donaldson himself. I think he's an exceptional player. I think he helps that team out. I think he would help any team he, he went on. But you said, look, this is our strength. Let's just add to our strength because why the fuck not? When in reality, there's probably better options that could have made that team more well-rounded. Because in a close series, when you're down a couple of runs, maybe, yes, the sexy thing is a home run ball. Absolutely. But the home run ball, we've seen it. It just doesn't play in October. It it just doesn't. You know, guys who who mash 30 to 35 home run ball, 35 home runs, get to the postseason, and they're not even average. They're terrible players. They strike out a lot. 
they don't get on base, and they hurt you more than they help you when it gets to the postseason. So if you're if you're Minnesota, they did they did some things right this offseason. They said, look, our pitching staff is one of our concerns. We need to bolster that out up however we can. You know what I mean? I don't think they're a team that could have afforded Garrett Cole. I don't think Garrett Cole could have would have decided to go to Oakland over over the Yankees or or the the A or the what's it called Angels. So you know, I'm not gonna go crazy and say, oh, they should have gone over, over after Garrett Cole because I don't think that's realistic. But they did make a concentrated effort to improve that improve that pitching staff and. You know all my bullshit about them only facing central aside. They had a good, they had a good, uh, what's it called, pitching staff this year, and they didn't lose this series based on the pitching staff. They lost it because their hitters couldn't do the easy things when it when it when it came to that time. And you don't have guys making mistakes because in the playoffs you have, you know, you take concentration and you and you multiply that shit times ten, and it's a lot harder to just look for that home run ball. And I think that's why they lost. I think that's why they'll lose next year. That's why they'll keep on losing because they're stuck on their philosophy and they haven't done anything to try to get that, you know, changed. And, and Nick, what, what do you think about this, man? Cause, cause you got to have some thoughts on this all. I got a lot of thoughts. This is my favorite series so far for so many reasons. Number one, stop hating on the Astros. They're still a good team. Number two, I 100% back you up, Daniel. The Minnesota Twins are the new Rays, and sabermetrics baseball will not win you in the postseason. We also get to stop talking about the Twins versus the Yankees. No, the Twins just suck in the postseason. Like, as the weather gets colder in Minnesota, apparently they just stop playing good baseball. So the Rays, has it has taken them over a decade to realize that sabermetrics will get you a lot of regular season wins, but you have to have pitching in the postseason. And who do they have? Blake Snell, dealing, former AL Cy Young. Tyler Glasnow, probably one of the best arm talents in the game. Just from a pure stuff standpoint, he is a top 10 pitcher. He can't put it all together just yet to make it happen to where he's an AL Cy Young guy. But when it comes to stuff, he's there. Their bullpen, this is where they get a little saber metrics, obviously. But their bullpen is literally seven closers. They traded away a closer to San Diego and still are absolutely phenomenal. The Twins need to realize that they just can't add more offense to end up winning. They just don't have it, unfortunately. And if you keep going sabermetrics, you're going to win a lot of regular season games and you're going to keep getting into the playoffs, but you're not going to win a title. And the quicker they can realize that, the better. What do they need to do? in order to win postseason? Great question. I think the move with Kenta Maeda was great, and I really think the move with getting Rich Hill was good. It just didn't pan out because of his injuries, and he didn't get a chance to pitch in the postseason. So that's where you're stuck. But their offense this year was actually not that good. They were number six in the league in home runs, which, to your point, Daniel, is what they're trying to do. They're the true three-outcome um, three team. They had the league leader in strikeouts with Miguel Sano, he had 90 strikeouts in a full 162. That goes to 243 strikeouts in a single season. I didn't look up to see if that would be a record. I just know it's really bad. And that's what that team is. They're all about the home run and the strikeout. They don't really care. And their pitching staff is not good enough to have them strike out 10, 12, 13, 15 times in a game. And that's where they're going to get stuck. They need to figure out how to lower their strikeouts 
or just go get a bunch of Garrett Coles. And they don't have the money to do that. They're also not a premier destination to go play all of your games. So they're never going to get a lot of free agents to that team at a frequent weight, a frequent rate like the Yankees. So I think they're really stuck because their philosophy is great for winning games, but it's not good for winning a title. Kind of like the Rays have been stuck on for a 15 years or so. I'm really interested to see what they do in the future, but I think this is the most interesting series to me because the Astros are good. They had a down year and it's about time they did. And we can all say it's because they cheated before and now they're not cheating. And that's why it's down. And I could give plenty of reasons why it's not. We don't have time for that today. The Astros are still good. The twins will never be good in the postseason until they realize sabermetrics will not win you a title. And going forward, it's just going to be interesting to see what the twins do to move forward. But the Astros look like they want to be here. They look like they deserve to be here. And this next series is going to be very interesting to see because they have a real legit shot at going to the American League Championship Series. And I'm not going to be surprised if it happens. That's for sure. Dude, yeah. By, by the way, why, why, you were, why you were talking, Gio Urshela just had a grand slam off. Oh, yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, he, he did. sure did. Off Karen oh, yeah, Shack. I can't even say that name. So, so good stuff for the Yankees, but I'm sorry, Nick. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to take off your point, man. Look, you, look. There's things about the there's things about the Astros that if you're if you're a baseball fan and you watch your team play, you're an absolute idiot if you just say they're not good. The, the, look, the, the talent's there. You know what I mean, even even with my hating ass, I've admitted that Alex Bregman is an above average player. I just don't see him the way that the rest of the world sees him. But if there's one thing they've proved this this uh, this uh, playoff this two game playoff series was that they're not backing down. They don't care. I don't think that offensively. I don't think they did anything special. They, they basically just won the game that they have to win. You know what I mean? I, I think there's it was more about the Twins than it was the the Astros. And I know that that might that sounds kind of like I'm I'm de-emphasizing what the Astros did because they still had to execute. No, I know but, what you mean though. That that does make sense. Yeah, I, I don't mean to. I don't mean to play down what that what the Astros were doing, but just that first game, man. You you gave that game away. You, I don't know if you guys seen it or or if it's gone around, but that that error at shortstop with, with two outs that doesn't happen anywhere. That that wouldn't have happened on my like fucking high school team. Like you, that's a play that just can't happen. So you know, credit where it's due. Good good for the Astros. We'll, we'll see them next series. We'll see who they play, but. You know the Twins got to figure some stuff out, man. And I, you know, I'm not. I'm not gonna say that I'm gonna blame the whole Saber Matrix movement for everything that happened since 2004. But you can't just you can't just keep banking on home run balls because the one thing we've seen is when we get to playoffs, that doesn't matter. Look at the team that won the World Series last year. You know, I, I don't. I wouldn't even say that the Nationals are a top, a top ten offense in the MLB. And you can debate that, you know. What I mean, I, I think that's that's debatable. That's a debatable um, statement, but it, they didn't do it on the home run ball. You have guys like Trey Turner. You had guys like Juan Soto, who even though he mashes, he pretty much lives on making contact, and he just he just happens to make really good contact. So we're, we're, we're heading places that if if you're in Minnesota, reevaluate. I think that they have a team good enough to to make tweaks to kind of just. Change the, the their uh, philosophy in, in in a little bit in, in a little bit of ways to make them successful in the playoffs, 
So we'll see what happens with, with those two teams. Again, we'll, we'll talk more about the Astros in our next episode because they're playing in the next series. So we'll, we'll be able to we'll be able to talk about them a lot more. Hey, real Let's quick go. before we move on, you brought up Juan oh, Soto, and we're not talking MVP yet. We're not doing our picks. I don't. I mean, we have talked about it a couple times, but Juan Soto led all of Major League Baseball this year in on base percentage, slugging percentage, and OPS. That if if this season would have been longer, Juan Soto, I think, would have been the clear cut MVP in the National League, and maybe for all of Major League Baseball. That dude is a monster, and we have not talked about him enough. He missed, I believe, 10 days to start the year, and that's why his counting numbers aren't there. But look out Juan Soto trying to be the best player in the game. You're absolutely right about that. We, we didn't talk about Juan Soto enough this year. He did start the year off late because of COVID, but he absolutely dominated this year. He was just It just happened to be that he was on a team that didn't start off hot, and because of the, the short season, we didn't really get a chance to, to even really talk about him. But let's move over to the NL because the NL, the, the game started today, by the way. It, we're pretty much one game into every series. The Brewers and Dodgers are, are playing. or They're not even playing. They're warming up right now as we speak. So we're going to have a lot less to say about the series. But I think the, the, the game of the day in, in, both, in both leagues was the Reds and Braves. This finished after 13 innings. The Braves won 1-0. So it's not like there's going to be a ton of a ton of stuff to say about this because pitching just dominated for, for both teams. But I'll start off with you, Nick. What, what do you take away from the Braves and Reds? Oh, I could go for a long time on this game. This could be a whole separate episode, um, but I'll make it quick. So this is exactly why I love postseason baseball. Max Fried dealt. Max Fried was more efficient than Trevor Bauer, and Trevor Bauer was better. This is an amazing game. And you have the likely MVP and Freddie Freeman winning the game for the home team, Atlanta Braves. There's so much to like about this game. The fact that it was 13 innings as a first game, and now what strategy happens after this. The fact that you got extra baseball. It's probably the most, I think I said this last week, this is the most interesting series to me, probably in all of the postseason to, to start as far as the wildcard games, because I would have liked to have seen the Reds play the Braves later because I just think these are two of the best teams in the National League. So I'm I'm in love with this game. And interesting stat, they had 37 strikeouts in this 13-inning game. That was more than the entirety of the 1922 World Series, New York Yankees versus San Francisco Giants, or sorry, New York Giants at the time, which was five games, 89 total innings that series. They had 35 strikeouts. So this single game had two more strikeouts the entire 1922 World Series. There you go. Look, and it was a great game to watch. Not a ton of action because the pitching was so good. But you had Trevor Bauer on the mound for the Reds, and he was dominant, man. Like, it wasn't – wherever he ends up going next year, they're going to be in for a very determined – Hold up, my guy. Hold up, hold up. Wait, wait, wait. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. Are you going to give Trevor Bauer credit for pitching like he did against a non-central team. I have to. I absolutely have to. Look. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just yeah. want to make sure. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. That to. was one of your critiques. He hasn't faced he faced the central the entire year. Okay. Now he faced now he faced the Braves, who are what one of the top teams in baseball, probably, right? And and I mean he kept them at nothing because he had nothing to do with it with this loss. 
So like he, I mean, he pitched well enough to Cincinnati could easily be up one, nothing if, you know, those bats would have woken up, but you know, like we talked about as well on the other end, I mean, Max Fried put up a, a great performance as well. You, you can't not be impressed before he did today. Look, all the, all the injuries on the brave side have been on the bullpen and, and the rotation. And that's where they, they've kind of slowed down because of it. But their lineup is potent. Look, Ozuna had an amazing season, who, which isn't talked about enough. Ozuna had a great year. Freddie Freeman, we've mentioned about he's the, you know, he, he's a possible MVP winner. Then you have the like Acuna Jr. who heated up towards the back end of the year, which is, I mean, I guess it's the last thirty games, which is also the first sixty games, whatever math you want to do with that, you know. And then you know, talk up and down that lineup, you have guys who are going to absolutely ball. You know, Dansby Swanson, who who we have as the defensive player mostly, he he's doing he did his thing offensively at points throughout this year. So what I'm trying to say is, yes, I'm absolutely impressed by what Trevor Bauer did, and I'm 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 so excited for Game Two tomorrow. This has been this has been the best start to a series of any of the games, just because the game was that tight, and it took heroics from your possible MVP to to, to finish the game. So, yo, Rob, I'll kick it to you, man. What did you think about it? Yeah, no, I, I, like I said, I, th- I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really good performance from both guys between Cincinnati and Atlanta. I think, you know, Bauer was out there backing up his his regular season performance. Max Fried was out there, you know, showing that he can also be a number one guy for for Atlanta. You know, he's kind of their number two, number three when when you have, you know, everyone healthy and, and things like that. But with with their guys down like Soroka, I mean, Max Fried went out there and and made a statement for Atlanta. In my opinion, I mean, he you know he kept the game right there how it was and you know to have a guy like like Freddie Freeman be the guy to walk it off for Atlanta that you know he's Freddie Freeman is one of the best like ambassadors one of the best guys in baseball like he is the he is the leader of that Atlanta team you know and and it's it's I think it's something that definitely has to be tough and it's something that I definitely respect because he essentially has he has two guys on that squad who can very easily be better than him in Ronald Acuna Jr. and and Ozzy Albes, and he's still putting up you know an MVP level season. He still has a lot you know plenty in the tank to you know to be one of the best players on that team, the def the definite leader of that team, face of that franchise. I mean Acuna will have his day as well, but Freddie Freeman is still out there putting up for Atlanta, and it's something great to see. I mean. I said earlier, apologies to to James Fleming. I'm rooting for Cincinnati in this season simply because they were one of the teams that, you know, I really wanted to show out this year um, when when we were under the assumption that we would get, you know, somewhat of a regular season. So, yeah, I'm still I'm still going to keep backing them up. I think they're a fun team to, to watch. And and like you said, Daniel, I mean, this second game, um, I believe it's going to be Castillo throwing for Cincinnati unless it's it's gray. I, I, I thought I had seen that it was Castillo. But, yeah, if it's Castillo. I mean, Luis Castillo is one of my favorite pitchers in the league, so it's definitely going to be another fun game out there and, and definitely another fun matchup to watch. There you go, man. Yeah, look, it, it's a great series. I have I have Atlanta as my favorite, especially, man, if, if Atlanta was healthy, I would have them in a runaway. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned some of the guys they're missing. So, it, it, look, either way, it's going to be a fun watch. This is, this is the series to watch in all of MLB, in my opinion. It's the closest matchup with as far as who's playing each other so you know watch that game tomorrow maybe we get a sweep or maybe we get game three i'm personally hoping for game three i think that's better for baseball but let's move on to our next game and that is 
that is a team that uh, disappoints Rob like no other in the Chicago Cubs. And the most surprising team in this playoff, the Miami Marlins. Look, we, we, we kind of talked about a little bit off, off the podcast, but, you know, we, we want to get, we, we want to get Andre Fernandez. We want to get Nicole back here to kind of talk about the Marlins team. Cause, you know, we, it is, it is great. Look, they won today, by the way. Just gonna, gonna, uh, give you the lead on that one. Marlins win 5 1 and, and they lead the series 1 0. But this was one of those teams where we don't know what we're expecting from them. It's, it's gonna be one of those things where, we're gonna have to wait and see, but Sandy Alcantara absolutely dealed today, and we're just—it's gonna be fun to watch, man. Every time they've been in the playoff, they won a World Series, so history is on their side. You know, uh, what's called Nick? What do you think about this series in particular? This is fun because I've I've been questioning the Marlins all year, and I don't believe they're they should be in the postseason, and I they're just a team that shouldn't be there, in my opinion. But watching some of the interviews since they won and seeing how happy they were when they knew they were being in the postseason, I've been on record many times saying that I think Don Madeline is probably one of the worst managers in baseball, and he shut me the fuck up this year. He managed this team better than I think probably anybody could except for Kevin Cash. He took a young bunch of guys who have been shitted on for the last three years, lost 105 games last year, and I don't know if his message was, hey, anything can happen in 60 games. I don't know if he just talked about this being a building year. But when they won and they were taking the team picture, he slid in front of the entire team like he was 23 years old. He was giddy. He was smiling ear to ear. And he was one of the players. And as a former player, that's the type of stuff that I like to see out of managers is the guys who get in there with the teams and can really enjoy success like a player. And he did that. So props to him. He, for the first time in the history of him being a manager, showed that he knows what he's doing. I would love for this team to win the World Series because, man, what a story that they've never lost a postseason series. Does it happen? I don't think so. But all props to Sandy Alcantara for today. What I said earlier about Luzardo, where you don't throw a rookie guy or first, you know, a young guy in a postseason game. Sandy Alcantara is just like, yeah, you can go ahead and just stop talking about that because that's not accurate. And let me show you what can really happen. He shoved it right down the Cubs throat and he looked like a guy out there. He, there was no concern in his face. Every pitch he threw was with conviction. Everything he was giving to the Cubs hitters was I'm better than you and you get to prove me wrong if you want to. It was a great game to watch. I feel bad for the Cubs because I like so many of their players, Javi Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, Hendricks, Contreras. I mean, they play for each other. Ross was having David Ross has them on some stuff this year to just be excellent. But man, it would be such a magical story for the Marlins to keep going and, and beat the Cubs. And if they get past the Cubs, who are a very good team, who knows where their confidence goes? They really could pull some out, pull out some magic. And I would love to see that happen because I think that's good for baseball. The more stories you have, the better. Either one of these teams, I think, is going to be a good story if they move on. But it would be so much fun to see the Marlins keep going. Look, they're, they're a scary team because they have talent. I, I'll put it like that. Look, they don't have that that top-end talent like some of the, the other teams here. They're, they're nowhere near uh, a Yankees. They're nowhere near Dodgers. I wouldn't even say they're near a team like the Reds who, you know, that lineup's, that lineup's great. But they have up-and-coming guys who can absolutely ball. 
you you kind of hit the nail on the head on that. Well, they need a little bit of confidence. They have the they have the starters to do it. We're gonna see six though sometime during the series, and that's gonna be fun as hell to watch. So I don't know if that's gonna be game two, or if there's a game three, if six though comes in, but watch that game because you're gonna be seeing, if not the future of baseball, someone that will definitely be in the conversation. Uh, Rob, what, what do you think about the series? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one for sure. You definitely mentioned, man. I mean, the Cubs. You would have to think that the Cubs come into this series just being a. a I guess not a huge favorite, but like def- the definite favorites to to the Marlins because I think the Marlins are another one of those teams like the Blue Jays. You know, they're they're a team that after this season they're gonna have to take a step back and kind of evaluate where they're at because they're one of those teams that definitely benefited from the expanded postseason. Um, you know, I I don't remember what what their exact uh, record they finished with um, because I think they are the fifth seed, right? So in uh. Let me see. Yeah, I think they they were the fifth seed or the fourth seed or something like that. So I guess they would have made the the postseason under the regular 10 team format. But I think, you know, with the shortened season and everything, I think they're definitely one of the teams that benefited from it. And, you know, they got to where they are with a lot of veteran kind of guys who have been performing for them. You know, you're getting Jesus Aguilar kind of hitting for them. He kind of had that bounce back because he had that high year with Milwaukee and then he kind of fell off a bit. And now, you know, he's with Miami. You have other veteran guys like Matt Joyce and Corey Dickerson. They had the trade for Sterling Marte. Um, so they, I mean, they have a lot of good guys there and, and a lot of young guys. The problem is I don't know. I don't know where their consistency necessarily is with a lot of their guys. That's kind of why I say that I see them being one of those teams that have to evaluate kind of where they're at, because I do think that they are going to start getting consistency from their starting pitchers. Definitely a guy like Sandy Alcantara and definitely a guy like Sixto Sanchez, who you mentioned, who I do believe will be the game two starter for them. Um, These are two guys who can no doubt be the one two punch at the top of that rotation leading Miami forward. And then you have some of their other guys, um, you know, like a Jordan Yamamoto, um, who I believe was one of the pieces that they got through the Christian Yellick trade. So they're going to have guys there. I think I think pitching is going to be one of their one of their strong stronger areas. I just think they're going to have to kind of evaluate their situation, maybe get more consistent guys in that lineup. Um, guys like Starling Marte, I, th- I think, you know, a lot of people questioned their trade for Starling Marte when it was made, but I think if, if, if you cut, if you kind of want to turn into a contender, I think Starling Marte is a kind of guy that you want on your team. You know, he, he's kind of like a consistent 280, 290 guy. He's a pretty before, good at bat. Before you go too, too, too long into, into Starling, uh, I, I want to say it's confirmed. He broke his hand in the first, in his first at bat of the game. With, with a hit by pitch, yeah, broke, yeah. A, broke a finger on a hit yes. by pitch, right? Yeah, so, so we're not going to be seeing him, unfortunately, the rest of this postseason. Yeah, yeah no, that that's a, he get ruled out. I think so. Yeah, I think they confirmed that it was a break. I think yeah, it is a break, but they're saying he may still play through it. Oh, I, I didn't I didn't see that part. Wow. Okay. Yeah, uh, he I'm might sorry to cut you off. Through it. No, no, that that's that's totally fine. I didn't see um I didn't see anything to know if he was out, but you know, I'm 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 saying more whether he plays or not, I'm saying more just in general in terms of in terms of like looking forward to next year for Miami, right? Like if Starling Marte is gonna be a guy that you're still gonna have on that roster in that lineup, I think I think players like Starling Marte are the guys that I kind of want to bring in to further strengthen my lineup. I think there's maybe two or three areas in their lineup where they can definitely get stronger at more consistency. Um, and yeah, I mean, 
you know, for teams like Miami and teams like the Blue Jays, use this as a boost, man. You know, this this counts. It counts as look in the in the history books. This counts as a postseason. You know, this is this is what the postseason format is this year. You you made the postseason under this format, you know, but just in case the format shifts back to a 10 team, you know, format or whatever it's going to be moving forward. You want to take that step to, to evaluate your situation and see where you're at. So, you know, you don't take a once you made this postseason, you definitely don't want to take a huge step back either. You know, you kind of want to take the, the steps necessary to, to kind of stay in the discussion. I think the best way you can put the Marlins right now is that they're in a position where they can win the World Series, but also be like ranked in the in the like bottom 10 of power rankings when when we right, start yeah. the, the 2021 season like like it's a very yes that's a very realistic situation like the marlins could possibly walk away as world series champions this year and then like not make the playoffs for the next five years like it, it's a, you know it's a very thing like that's why i'm saying it's like yeah it, 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 it hey man like you never know right like it, i guess that's a benefit from them like uh, it might get more fans in the seats, <laughs> you know, it will count as a world series title. So, I mean, I guess it could be good for them, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. It doesn't take much to double their, their fans in the seats right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like a world series trophy, like, Hey man, you know, uh, like I said, you already know, I've been very vocal like this season. I, I just personally don't care about this season, but like I said, you win the world series, it's going to count as a world series victory. I just don't necessarily care for it, but Hey, World Series is a World Series. Absolutely. Let, let's move on to the next matchup. And this game was intriguing for, for many reasons. And I'm, I'm talking about the St. Louis Cardinals and the San Diego Padres. So beginning of this game, you had Cardinals absolutely ready to run away with it. And I'm talking about they absolutely owned Chris Paddock. Like Chris Paddock did not look, look like an ace. But it wasn't because he was, in my in my opinion, it wasn't like he was missing spots it wasn't like he was just absolutely awful i i honestly think it was just really good timely hitting by the cardinals like yeah he did give up give a home give up a home run early in that game but if you see how the cardinals scored it was it was singles the other way it was doubles in the gap that barely got over the second baseman it was it was things like that that the analytical community kind of takes for granted in a one game basis and, you know, and to it, it wasn't all negative for the Padres. The Padres could have very easily looked at the score like, oh, look, we're down 4-0 with the second inning. Like, fuck it. We'll come back tomorrow. No, look, the Cardinals, I mean, the Padres stayed in this game. And my biggest concern with the Padres is the maturity of that team because you have a very young Fernando Tis Jr. as leader of that team. Then you have a guy of, of Manny Machado who – He's been he, he's been shown to be a little bit immature in big spots, you know, a la Dodger days when he where he wasn't hustling and, and all that uh, rhetoric. Then you guys you have guys like Eric Hosmer on, on, on that team who's been there before, won a World Series. You have a very you have a very young team which might have hurt them this year, this this game because part of part of the reason why they lost, at least in my opinion, was bad base running mistakes, specifically by by Jake Cronenworth. He kind of showed his his rookiness or his lack of, of baseball acumen on the base pass this game. Uh, so, you know, you know, to, to get, take it to the end, the Cardinals win seven, four, but it was a lot closer game than, than it looked like, especially in those middle innings, San Diego did a great job of sticking with it and making this game competitive, which it could have gotten really bad really early. And they, and they almost, they, they were at a point where they were at second and third, 
in the eighth inning with your your with your team MVP Fernando Tatis Jr. up, and he ended up grounding out to shortstop. But the point is, they're they're right there. The opportunity was there. They, they could have very easily won this game even after that really slow start. So I'll kick it off with you, Rob. You know, what are your takes away from this series? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's another it's another competitive one, man. I think you have a team out there like the St. Louis Cardinals who are who are known as a consistent playoff contender. You know, when you see the St. Louis Cardinals in the postseason, you're not really surprised. They've had guys there for the longest time now, Yadier Molina, Matt Carpenter. I mean, and and they they have one of those lineups where if everything's clicking for their lineup, they can be one of the best like five teams in baseball. Like they have a lot of guys in their lineup, Colton Wong, you know, Tommy Edmond, you know, Dylan Carson, who who's a young guy for them. Like they have all these guys who, if they're clicking, like they can be really good and they don't necessarily have, you know, like a guy who's like a, a for sure 100% superstar. You know what I'm saying? Like you have a Paul Goldschmidt who, who can definitely be that type of player, you know, every now and then. He's more of like a star level player. Um, but like, you know, he's another guy who's who's also in there, you know, hitting for them and things like that. And, you know, like you mentioned, I don't think it was necessarily a, a terrible job by Chris Paddock. Um, I think San Diego, though, like, I have to see San Diego as like a, a big underdog in these next two games, right? Because even let's let's say let's say San Diego went up one uh let's say San Diego had taken this first game, right? And they were up one nothing. I would still kind of say that they would be somewhat of underdogs because they took the hit from from Clevenger. So they're not gonna have Clevenger and they're not gonna have Lamette either. So I think I saw Zach Davies is gonna be their their game two starter. Um so that's a tough break, man, because that's why they made that trade for Clevenger when they did. You know, he's a guy who you have out there as your game one or your game two starter. He was the guy who they were supposed to pair. And then you say, oh, OK, well, if Clevenger's out, I can put Lamette there. Oh, a guy who, you know, is is definitely one of the other top guys that they see in their future. I mean, we've talked about it. You know, after this year, you're potentially looking at Paddock, Clevenger, Lamette and Mackenzie Gore. And then if you what if you want to put Zach Davies as the number five, like that's a pretty good rotation to have moving forward. So it's definitely key guys that they're missing. So I don't know. I, I'm hoping San Diego is one of my favorite teams this season. I'm hoping that they could bounce back at the same time. You know, St. Louis moving forward. Yadier Molina having another chance at a, at a championship is something that I also don't hate to see. So it's another interesting one. I'm going to be satisfied with whatever team moves forward. Um, I'm just hoping for a competitive series. Maybe we can get a game three out of these two teams. I, I think we will, actually. I, I really do think we will. It definitely hurts the Padres to to be out two of the their premier pitchers in Lamette and the guy they traded for in Clevenger. But the, their arm's good enough to get it done, man. So so we'll see how that, how that works. Uh, Nick, what about you, dude? I... Love this game. I love this series. But most importantly, I love this game. It's my second favorite game of the day. Obviously, the Reds-Braves was just amazing from a baseball pure standpoint. And Rob's right. It is Zach Davies going tomorrow for for the Padres. And he's going against Adam Wainwright. I mean, of all the guys you do not want to go against when your season is on the line, he might be the most experienced. He is the most experienced pitcher in the postseason. And you don't want to go up against that guy, especially he's having such a great year. The reason I love this game so much is this actually goes to old school baseball. The Cardinals took every at bat as though it meant the end of the season. 
And to Daniel's point, that's why you see doubles all over the place. That's why you, and they're just, they're little sneak doubles, but they happen. You have a guy like Paul Goldschmidt, who's had a great year, but has been really under the radar because he had such a bad year last year, coming up with a big home run. And they just put the pressure on the Padres early and watching the game. You see Chris Paddock just out there like, man, what else do I do? And that's what you get when you have a younger player who's not used to pitching against a lineup one through nine that knows that literally every at bat could mean the game. And that's why I love this game is the Cardinals showed why the Cardinals are always there. And if you see them in the postseason, you need to be scared. If they're in the postseason, they should be feared as the number one ranked team in the postseason because they know how to win. The other thing I love about this is that this sets up for the Cardinals to face the Dodgers in round two. And we all know how those series typically end. Kershaw chokes in the seventh inning against some random left team on the Cardinals and gives up another home run to lose the game. And then all of a sudden it just starts going downhill. So, but this game was fun to watch. Um, I have said through the whole year that the, the Padres are fun to watch and they're exciting, but I just, I don't know if they have it. And this just kind of shows it to me. I'm not sure that they have it. And this was their worst matchup possible. I think it would have been better if they played the Dodgers in the first round because they're not used to the Cardinals and the Cardinals franchise is just a winning franchise. And if you go there as a player, you're going to keep winning. It's just what they do. They know how to bring up young guys like Dylan Carlson, Harrison Bader. They all make impacts. And even if it's just a little impact, it's still big. And they just don't make the mistakes on the base pass or in the bladders box or on the pitcher's mound like Cronenworth did today, to your point, Daniel. So I love this this game today because it really shows what baseball should be, in my opinion. And I I don't want the Padres to move on. I do think they're ahead of their time. I really think this is 162 season. I don't think they would have been the fourth seed. I don't even know if they would have made the playoffs. But it's going to be a good uh, good game tomorrow. But I can't see them getting past Wayne Wright with his experience. And Davies has not performed well in the postseason when he was on the Brewers. So it's going to be really tough to see the Padres make it through. It would be cool to go to a game three, but I just don't see it happening. Look, it, it, the one thing that, that I definitely noticed and you kind of alluded to was Chris Paddock's a young dude. He's only a second year in the league and he was frustrated and it wasn't, it wasn't like the St. Louis Cardinals were out here just mashing. It, it, they weren't at all. But from the first inning, it just looked like they had their, their approach was to put the ball in play, you know, first and foremost. And it's not like the, the Padres have a bad defensive team. Even, even Myers out there in right field, he kind of improved his defensive game a little bit this year. Granted, not, not, not a lot. He's still not a plus defender, but they just made it happen. And it was the little things. The base running, the you know the pitching, the making the making the pitches when when they mattered, you know the, the situational hitting, you know for instance the the in in the bottom of the eighth when when Fernando Tatis was up, his ground ball to shortstop was on like a one one pitch, and that's not a pitch that you ground out to shortstop on at least not on the major league level when you have that kind of talent. So it, it was a little things that won it for the Cardinals. And unlike a lot of teams in the MLB who are focused on, hey, like, how can we get the long ball going? We need to get our, guy, our guys on base more. Their focus since last year, and, and one of the noticeable stats with, with the Cardinals specifically, was they increased their base running, um, what's it called? 
their base running efficiency, they went from, I think they were in the, the bottom five to going up into the, the top 10, which doesn't mean a lot, or you might feel like it doesn't mean a lot in a season long 162 games, but in a close game in the playoffs, that one or two runs that you're getting through, that matters a whole lot. And, you know, I think the one of the themes so far of the playoffs has been bad base running. For instance, we, right now, it just happened. Luke Voigt got caught in a terrible rundown. And it's a, it's a play where if you're in high school, that shit doesn't happen. And it shouldn't be happening on the MLB level. And you get a guy out of scoring position on a ground ball to the pitcher. So it's not just the Padres, but this shit matters when it gets to the playoffs. Every every little thing matters. So it can definitely affect the series, especially when you're, you're talking about a best of three. So it, it's for, for baseball purists out there, it's a great series to watch because that, that's what won it. Old school baseball won it for the Cardinals today. Say, say what you want to say, but that that was absolutely why they were a, a two-run – they were two runs ahead of, of the, the Padres' young team or three runs ahead. Sorry about that. And our last one today, and this is going to be really quick just because the game's currently ongoing. It's in the bottom of the first. Dodgers have bases loaded with one out. Padres, I mean, the Dodgers and Brewers. Look, I'm just going to go ahead and say I, 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 I would not expect the Brewers to do very well in the series at all. And, and with that, y'all kick it to you, Rob. What do you, what do you expect out of the series? Yeah, uh, you know, I think I would expect – Rather, I would hope that we get a competitive series, but yeah, I see the Dodgers at the as the favorites. I think the Dodgers are going to take this series. Um, in terms of you know, in terms of the Dodgers themselves as as individual performances, you know, I think you have a guy like Mookie Betts who I saw doubled in the first inning. You know, he's kind of keeping up that theme. He put up an MVP level season this year, um, and like I said, he's the best player on that team right now. And in terms of the Dodgers, you know, one of their other main guys, you want to see Cody Bellinger perform in the postseason, which is a theme, you know, year in and year out. We kind of joke around about Clayton Kershaw, but at the same time, Cody Bellinger is one of those guys as well that you you need to see more consistency from him in the postseason. You need to see him perform at all um, in the postseason. So, um, yeah, I have the Dodgers as favorites here. Um, and, yeah, I think we're going to be seeing them in the second round. Nick, what about you, dude? I don't even want to watch the series because it's going to be so lopsided. I mean, they just walked in the go-ahead run. Bruce Suter just walked in the go-ahead run. So first inning, bases loaded, you walk in the run. This is a joke. The Brewers shouldn't be there. I know Daniel, the very first game of the year, said they might go 0-60. And I just wish they would have so we don't have to be painful baseball fans watching this. The Dodgers are they're like three classes ahead of the Brewers in every sense of the word for baseball. So it's going to be a boring series to watch. I doubt it's going to be competitive. Christian Yellick is hitting leadoff, and he looked absolutely foolish against Walker Bueller, who has never struck out less than seven in any postseason game he's ever pitched in. So maybe this is where Walker Bueller turns us all back into he's an ace type of commentary because maybe it's just the postseason where he shines. But, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Mookie Betts has shown going back to the – to the dugout talking to AJ Pollock. And the only thing I think he's saying is like, okay, just can you just hit one out so we can all just go home early today? Let's just make this a seven inning game. They should have played this game as a double header because it just would have saved everybody some time. I, this is the least, this is the least exciting series there is right now. And uh, again, if you paid me to do research on every game that the Brewers played and, and then you had me tell you how they made the playoffs, 
I still wouldn't be able to. They're the worst playoff team out there right now. And I am including the Marlins in that. I'm including the, the last seed on the AL with that, which is actually pretty strong comparatively. The I, Twins I might be worse, but yeah, the Brewers are right there. The Twins might be worse in the playoffs, but I, look, I, I still can't tell you how the Brewers won games. I, I don't know. There's not one. There's not one thing I can point to as their strength. I, I guess perseverance is their strength, which isn't really something you want to bank on. Playing in the NL Central was their strength. That 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 could be also be a thing, and it's disgusting. I, I don't. I intend to spend zero time on this series, and that's why this is such a good way to end it because I. I completely expect the curb stomping this for, for, for this series with the Brewers. I, I, look, I'll say this: this is where this is where analytics helps a bad team. Where the Brewers are also a team that's heavily into analytics, and it helps them play barely above five hundred. And because their their division is so tight, it lets them get into the playoffs. But you know what? I'll be honest with you, man. If they're playing a three game series against the fucking Pirates. I still might not take the Brewers. They, they are they are that bad to me. But I, yeah, I, I don't know, man. They, they, they're, they're there again. All the credit in the world to Craig Council and that front office to continue getting them to mediocrity. But I mean, mediocrity. But whatever, man. Uh, before, before we get out of here, there's a couple things I want to address, and this is kind of just stuff that's going going on in the media. And we got to make this quick, guys. We got we got to get in and out, but. We, we said we would address the question of of Alex Bregman or Cody Bellinger. So you have 30 seconds, Nick. Cody Bellinger or Alex Bregman, who's your guy? I'm taking Alex Bregman from a standpoint of I think he's going to be more consistent with his average, and I, I like that. He also can steal bases if the team asks him to. I will take a guy who can play shortstop in third. And I just think in general he's a more consistent player. I do feel that even though he did cheat, and he's got the biggest ego probably in the game, that that's going to consistently drive him to be better. He wears the number two because he was second overall pick when he thought he should be the first overall pick, and I like that type of player. So I'm going to go Alex Bregman. I think he's going to be more consistent over his entire career. Counting numbers, he'll probably have less than Bellinger by the end when it comes to runs and home runs, but I think everything else when it comes to ratios, he'll be a better hitter and a better player. Defensively, I like the positions he plays more than I like where Bellinger plays. All right, not bad, man. What about you, Rob? Yeah, I I think I'd probably take Cody Bellinger um, simply because I think even though I do think he's a roller coaster, I think he has better potential than Alex Bregman to have those kind of like real breakout seasons. Like I, like Cody Bellinger, I could see like hitting sixty home runs in a season, and like it'd be you know like like that type of season, and then come back next season and have like twenty five. So like, yeah, I do recognize he has those roller coasters, but hey, I'm going to take a little bit of risk here. I also do think he's, you know, he's a really good defender. I think we can put him in right field. We could put him in center if we need him to play first. So he can also be moved around for for multiple positions. Um, I do agree with Nick a little bit in the sense that Alex Bregman might be the more consistent hitter. But I do think that Cody Bellinger, like he also pointed out. Uh, in terms of like counting stats might have higher counting stats than Bregman by the time it's all said and done, mainly because of those spectacular like breakout seasons, which might provide like a really big boost for his overall numbers. Uh, yeah, look, I- I'll give you my position real quick. I am the absolute definition of a hater. I think we start seeing Alex Bregman slowly slip out of relevancy 
to a point where we start saying, ah, I guess he's okay. He's a good player. Like he's probably the third, possibly eventually the fourth best third baseman in the AL West. That, that's that's my opinion on, on, on him. With Alex Bregman, the inconsistency sucks. And he's always going to be – as long as he's wearing Dodger blue, he's going to be inconsistent as hell. And I don't see him leaving that team anytime soon. They, they're still a team that wants to play by the by analytic ball of, hey, look, look, Cody, we'd rather you got you hit home runs than, than hit doubles in the gap. So please just try launching this ball, even though your swing – falls apart when once you get hot so i'm gonna go cody but it's more about how i really just don't think alex bregman is is that good and i think that we see that as he kind of goes later on in his, in his career and I, I and i'm gonna receive a lot of you're stupid for that and and that's fine it's 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 pretty much just my feeling since even even when he was in the mvp conversation so i'm just gonna stick by that cody i, I think he just the talent's there if he was on a better, if he was on a different team, he would be more consistent, in my opinion. But we we, we really can't see that. All right, last question for you guys, and again, just just real quick, uh, Rob actually posted this on the Facebook page today, and I thought it was absolutely ridiculous that it was even a conversation. But there's been talks out there that, or there's comments out there that Yadier Molina wouldn't be a Hall of Famer based on today's analytics. And I'll start out with you, Nick. What, what do you think about that statement? <laughs> that's dumb he's a hall of famer there's nothing else to it <laughs> that, that 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 sums it up pretty quickly man what about you rob yeah similar reaction i think anyone who relies on analytics to make 100 percent of their decisions especially decisions as to whether or not someone is a hall of famer really needs to reevaluate how they view the game of baseball i'll, I'll, I'll put it as simple as this I think there's a lot of people working in baseball who have no business working in baseball. They completely got their jobs because they're great at working the numbers. They're great at building analytical and statistic graphs. They're great at looking at that part of the game, which is important, by the way. I don't want to. I don't want to de-emphasize how important that is, but that can't be your be-all end-all. You know what I mean? It has to be. It has to go past statistics. If you're building a team and you're telling me that Yadier Molina throughout his career isn't someone that you want behind the plate. I will tell you right now, you're an absolute fucking moron. And I don't want you giving me advice on what I should do with my team. So for anyone out there that thinks that Yadi Molina, because his, his analytic numbers aren't as high as some of the other people in the MLB, which let's, let's be straight up honestly here. So people would honestly probably take Mitch Garver over Yadi Molina in the analytic community based off what, uh, Mitch Garver did last year and to those people I have to say you're fucking moronic and your team will probably never win the fucking World Series just because you have no idea what goes into game situation like we are seeing in the playoffs so look you'll, you'll absolutely kill it in the regular season you'll get promotions based on how good those guys do but I promise you you will never win a ship chip because you're just you, I don't know how to say it other than you're wrong and there's history to back up your wrongness and I get it. We're supposed to be looking forward, not backwards. But you, you're a moron if you don't think that Yadier is a top ten catcher in MLB history. And I'll even push that. I'll say, I'll say you can maybe, maybe you can argue top fifteen. If you're arguing top twenty now, you're kind of just pushing guys in there just for the, for the sake of your argument. 
and uh, you're ridiculous and you deserve to have another job somewhere else. Go work in Wall Street where you can make a lot of money making decisions where it is all about the, the numbers. And that sounds very angry and because it makes me very angry that someone doesn't think Yadier Molina belongs in the Hall of Fame. That's going to be it for it, man. Do you guys have anything you want to you guys want to end up on? Nothing? You got you guys good? Yeah, I'm good. All yeah, right. I think we're good, man. I think we're good. We're here uh you know, just looking forward to the rest of this postseason baseball. We're going to see some very interesting uh matchups coming up, possible game 3s coming up and then moving on to the DS and we'll see how that goes. All right, perfect, man. Let's get the fuck out of here. Uh <laughs> what's it called? The Jose for the for the for Cleveland Indians doing MVP type things. Just got a a a, a game tying RBI triple. Uh, yeah, that's rough. Got into there. That that is rough. But it's yeah, what we MVP might be seeing Yankees and Indians in Game Three. We might. We'll see how this game turns out. My my money is that we will see them Game Three. I don't think I, I don't think the Yankees bullpen's good enough this year to to shut that down the rest of the way. But yo, anyway, look guys, look, find us on on Facebook right now. If you love baseball, that's the place to be. We'll be talking shit on there throughout the postseason. Trust me, we already have contentious debates going on right now. So so please get on there. Let us know what you think about what's happening. And we will interact with you. Our entire group will interact with you. Trust me, we have no problem talking back. We are a ridiculous group when it comes to uh, throwing memes in there, uh, throwing likes and, and smiley and laughing faces. So, so join us on that. Uh, Twitter, Rob's running that on SAW. We also have an Instagram at TSSAW. And we got a lot of stuff coming your way. So, so stick with us. We'll catch you guys next week. We'll recap you on where we're at there. Enjoy playoff baseball, man. This is the best time of the year. This is, this is my Christmas. Catch you guys next time, yo.